Welcome, everybody, to episode one of the Driving Kick podcast. Uh, first episode with our official agreed-upon name. Uh, I'm Dan. This is Mike. Yes, sir. We back in the cut, man. We back, and we live, and we're ready to talk basketball. Let's get after it. Yes, sir. Um, so the first topic of discussion today is uh, the NBA has come out with a more official plan to return to play. Uh, somewhere in the middle of July. Uh, they're thinking of coming with 22 teams, having a play-in tournament, possibly a regular, a few regular season games to finish off, and a play-in tournament a little more uh, round-robin style. So we just kind of want to talk, speak on that and, you know, address that. So, Mike, uh, why don't you go ahead? What's your thoughts on it? Well, as a fan, I'm happy to have some type of basketball you know, to actually finish out the season, I thought, like I said on the previous podcast, I thought that uh, there was a lot of interesting storylines with this season, and I thought anybody could be crowned champion, so I'm definitely happy to see basketball come back, especially with no Olympics this year, right? We don't really have anything in the summer. There's no sports, and basketball will probably be the only team sport played for a while, right? Yeah. Um. So from a fan, I like it, but then as a reasonable, logical person, I start to think of all the little semantics involved. Like, I don't know how real the corona still is, but having all those players, you know, possibly exposed to that, I think it, it it's it's dangerous, right? Like, some of, these, some of these teams that kind of don't feel like they can win a championship, are you willing to risk your health and safety and possibly your family's health and safety to play games or to play for a championship you probably won't win? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So that's that's a potential issue I see with expanding the field from, from 16 to 20 or 22. But then I also look at it like if you just started the playoffs right away, it isn't really fair for those fringe teams that are four or five games out that legit have a chance to make the playoffs and actually could maybe win a series or two, right? So there's a lot of um, evolving, revolving parts to the story. And I think Adam Silver has his – his work cut out for him to actually make this thing go right like being in one central location you start thinking of hotel booking and how many how much personnel can each team bring can you bring family and then is there going to be mandatory corona testing after each game how many preseason not preseason but like scrimmages or training camp days do you need to actually you know get back in rhythm and hopefully reduce the likelihood of injury right these guys they may be working out, but getting up and down on the court and taking the physical battles and sleeping in hotel beds and being uncomfortable like that takes a toll on the body that, you know, you really can't account for. When you're in the, the Florida season, it's a lot easier to, you know, uh, adapt to that. But, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be interesting to see, right? And because everything is so uncertain and we have to kind of, like, adapt on the fly – me as a fan, I wouldn't see this season as like an asterisk on the champion. I don't because I think everybody is dealing with issues. You know what I mean? The same issues, right? The, everybody's dealing with the same issues. Everybody still has the same fear of catching Corona. Certain teams on the fringe, they don't want to come in and play if it's not for a championship. Other teams feel like it's not fair if they don't, you know, they're not there. There's a lot of issues. So everybody's dealing with some type of stress and it's it's going to be, have to be a collaborative effort to get the NBA back going. So as a fan, I want to see it. But as a logical person, I understand it's going to be tough. Yeah. It's going to be tough. Yeah. To me, the biggest thing is, like, how can you make everybody happy? Because the only reason they wanted to bring all 32 teams back to play those last five to six regular season games, that was really just to get everybody paid. Yeah. So right now – you know, you're right. Like, as a fan, I'm excited to see that the NBA is going to come back. But I think it'll also be very different. And it's – I think it's possibly good. Like, I think this kind of takes any basketball player back to their roots of, you know, going for a weekend AAU tournament. Like, it'll be hopefully that kind of fun environment. Like, as a fan of, like, you know, however they set up the round robin, like, it, it may look a little more like – like World Cup to where like there's a group stage round robin then you the top two or three advance to the tournament I think that's super mm. dope I think that's a super dope format that basketball could or should adopt but at the same time like 
I just kept thinking the whole time, like, we should just scrap the season because, like, the only reason they want to bring it back, I feel like, is for, is for monetary reasons. Like, yeah, people want to crown a champion, but there's so much more going on in the world right now. Like, maybe we do need something like basketball to kind of bring people together in a sense, but at the same – like, you're right, like, as a, as a, a person, a, 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 like, that is thinking things through, like, how angry is it going to make us or anyone else to realize that these guys have – unlimited access to COVID-19 testing just mm-hmm. that they can provide entertainment for us. Like it's how bad do we want that entertainment? How bad do we want basketball back? So yeah. I feel like that's something we need to think about. As far as the competitive standpoint, I think when Dame spoke out and said that he didn't want to play unless it was going to be competitive, like the reality is this is only being done for that those bottom five, six teams in the Western Conference that are all in the race for that eighth spot, right? And so it's just – it's dope that they're going to try and include everyone who had a realistic chance at the playoffs. And so now, especially if if the playoffs end up being a a single elimination tournament, it'll be dope to see who can go on a run. You know, who – what eight, seven seed can, like, knock out a a one or two seed in in the first round. Like, I think that's a crazy aspect of – basketball that hasn't been present in the NBA with seven game series. And I feel like that's been designed to see the best teams go forward because any team can win one game, but can, can any team win a whole series? Most likely not. So you're right. Like it's exciting to see that basketball is going to come back, but there's a lot of more thought that has to be put into it. And I just feel like, as I said, I'm excited to see it happen, but I'm I'm interested to see, what the final development is, what the final product looks like, and if it's something that would maybe even be worth changing in the long run to, like, always having a single elimination tournament for playoffs or always having the top 20 teams make the playoffs type thing. Yeah. Just to kind of rebuttal what what you said, the thing about the money, now that's interesting because teams don't get paid or individual players and teams don't get paid for playoff games. So there's 20-something games left in the season that these teams are missing out on, so players are missing out on money. So I can understand why that they want to include as many people as possible or many teams as possible to try to make it work. Obviously, the teams that are completely out of the playoff picture, Phoenix, um, the, the, the Cavs, right? There's no reason to bring extra teams in and risk safety strictly because to get paid. But I do think for the the teams that are like four or five games out, it makes sense for them to actually have a realistic realistic shot to compete like they did before just all this happened. But it's also like we can pay more people too. So I I understand it. I understand it completely. And then I don't know if they're going to be able to do, I don't know if they will have a single elimination tournament, even with this 2022 um, team format, they're saying that, that those teams might be like six or eight games to determine who gets in and then maybe like playoff games. But I think they're going to have series still. I think they're still going to have series because I'm telling you, this, I'll tell you why. If somebody like the Lakers or the Clippers lose in an early round, I think the viewership would be different if teams that we didn't really care about made it further nobody's going to watch some some of those games. You know what I'm saying? You got to think about it like, like teams don't even watch or people don't even really watch the eight seats play. They don't care about it. We want to see the good match, the four versus fives, the three versus six, especially in the early rounds. So I just don't know if that's from a business standpoint, they would do a single elimination tournament. I suppose. I feel like it's there's pros and cons to each one. Like you're right. Like the thing is, the NBA is trying to make money, as much money as possible. And so I feel like, especially with the last dance, it was really brought to light that the NBA is going to protect its stars and they know who their money makers are. That's going to be the any team that's one through three seed on either side. And they want to see those guys compete for the championship. But I feel like there's an added, like, I I can't personally say that I don't care if, if an eight seed goes through because I feel like in March Madness, whenever an underdog mid-major or low-major is going on a bit of a run, that that attracts the attention of the whole country. Yeah. So yeah, I can't say that, like, I feel like everyone loves to root for an underdog. So it's kind of tough to say. Like, I, I, 
the NBA would probably want to make it so that that doesn't happen. But I feel like viewership wise, I'm not sure that it would really hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That's one way. But I, I just, I just feel like in the NBA, they want the best team to win. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's the point of the series. It isn't, you know, for the teams to get signed. It's strictly because the best team usually wins. That's why it's hard to win in the NBA because you can't – you can win one or two games, but can you win four? That's when – you know what I'm saying? And I feel like the best team won't win in that type of format. Will it be exciting? Absolutely. But it's like, is it really fair? If that's the point – if you're going to do a, a single elimination, you might as well have all 30 teams. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why Why just bring 22? Because then it doesn't matter. Anybody can win it. You might as well have everybody there. Yeah, true. Right? But no, yeah. I mean, obviously there's pros and cons and there's no right answer. It's just opinions, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bro. It's, I don't know. As I said, it's it's tough. Like, I feel like everyone just wants to see some kind of basketball back because we're, we're hurting right now. So we just kind of need something like that for yeah. entertainment something to bring us together something to distract it and i feel like you know sport is something positive that always like it, it's a good distraction you know what i'm saying so yeah that's kind of how i feel um who's your favorites to win if, if they come back then so 16 team turn earth single elimination tournament uh favorite and series uh favorite if they do either one Single elimination tournament, I think. I would say Milwaukee is my favorite in a single elimination tournament strictly because they have a, a defined style of play. And I think it's going to be – it's easier for them to impose that style than it is for, like, the Lakers to win based on their style because their style is literally just LeBron creates the offense for everybody else or they run pick and roll and then – they defend and play defense. I think that is – it's harder to guard somebody like Milwaukee. It's harder to go in and it's like, man, they got a freak of nature in Giannis, and then they shoot the ball, they spread the ball, they got – they're long. You know what I'm saying? I feel like styles of play will matter so much in in the one a single elimination tournament. So I would pick the Bucks for me personally. And it's a sleeper team in that, the Raptors. The rap, yeah, the Raptors. Raptors, because they have a defined style of play. They know exactly who they are, right? I think that's huge for the teams figuring out. Like the Clippers, I don't think the Clippers are are that dangerous in a single elimination tournament. I don't, I don't. You know, that's just me personally. But, and then for the series, the series, I gotta take. It's tough, man. I have three, but if I had to choose one. Or two, I would say the the Lakers or the Clippers. Yeah. Because I think I think they have the team and the coaches and the personnel to best adapt. Yeah. To a situation, I think Milwaukee they haven't been there yet, but like on the Clippers they have experience. Their coach has been there, right? On the Lakers they have guys with experience, so I think it's easier for them to adapt opposed to somebody like Milwaukee who doesn't have players that have been in that situation. Yeah, completely true. So, so that would be my my two picks. Yeah, for me, I think single elimination tournament, I, w- I was also thinking, like, the refing and, like, the style of play is going to be, like, way different because it's not going to mm-hmm. be like, rugged, like, these, you know, you've played each other the last four games. You know exactly how you're playing. You're being a little more physical. It's going to be a lot more regular season type refing, in my opinion, where it's a lot more open. So I feel like if it's single elimination – it could just be whoever gets hot. Like one to two players on on a team can get hot, and so like that would that that leaves it wide open for a, a team like Houston, where they got mm-hmm. Harden or, or Russ can just go off and just kind of lead them on a what if it's sixteen teams, all you gotta do is win four games and you, you win the championship, right? So mm-hmm. all you need is a hot streak from them or or, or Dallas. You know they, they got Luca, they got Porzingis, they got guys that can get hot, but I think you're right. So I feel like Houston, Dallas, any of those guys that have like that one prolific score, like I understand every team has that one, but I don't think a team, a full team that's all uh, uh, contributing is as important in a single elimination tournament. Whereas in a series, a team that's more rounded out, like that can 
bounce back like the Clippers or the Lakers or the Bucks or the Raptors, like those top four to six teams in each conference, it's uh, it's hard for me to pick one. Like for series, I would have to say the Clippers just because I feel like they have the perfect championship kind of mold. They have each guy at, at each role. Maybe we haven't seen them at their best together, but I feel like we this is the perfect time for their best to come out. And for single elimination, I would say Houston is dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. I just, me understanding how some of these NBA players think, you know, according to the stuff I read, I can't see the Players Association agreeing to a single elimination tournament. I can't see that. It doesn't, because it, do, it doesn't make sense for the, the teams that are really in it to win it. It doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, if it happens, it happens. But I cannot see – even the owners, bro, why would you do a single elimination tournament and not extend the season as long as you could? If you're going to bring NBA back, you might as well make it as close to the real thing as possible. Yeah. There's no reason to bring it back to play six, seven games. You feel me? So I feel like they wouldn't agree to that. But if it happens, it'd be – I wouldn't be shocked, man. We're in crazy times. I wouldn't yeah. be shocked. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. Up next, uh, we want to talk about how things are changing in the collegiate level. Uh, U Sports, more specifically Canada West, has uh, come out with their official schedule change and what it's going to look like for next season. Uh, they're going to do 16 games instead of 20. And they're dividing each province into divisions. So there's going to be the BC division, the Alberta division, and the Manitoba Saskatchewan division. And they're just going to play each other all regular season long. Uh, they said that they haven't come out with tournament format yet or anything like that for playoffs. But let's just talk about what that regular season looks like. Um, me personally, playing for Trinity Western, I'm I'm disappointed. Uh, you know, I feel like this format could have been something that's like a bit of an emergency kind of format as if like it's really needed. Then we could turn to that. I feel like we still could have had a, a regular, regular season, but I understand that it's a lot of budget cuts happening. So maybe this is more for travel as, as much as it is for safety uh, to limit that. So I understand that, but I just, I failed to see, you know, teams like Calgary, Alberta, UBC, the usual perennial powerhouses, I failed to see how they might be in top shape or how a team like us might be in top shape for some kind of playoff or, you know, end of season tournament when we've played four teams all season. Like, I'm not sure how Calgary or Alberta are getting any better by playing uh, McEwen four times a year. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not understanding how UBC is getting better by j just demolishing everyone in, in BC all year. So it's it's tough for me. Like, I feel like the regular season is going to be feel a little different. I feel like it might get a little more rugged, but I understand that it might – why they felt like it needed to happen. But as I said, I'm as a player, I'm, I'm disappointed because, you know, you always look forward to traveling to Calgary. You, you look forward to traveling to Edmonton to, to play those those great teams. So – it's tough, but I, I'd also rather this than no season at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you have a different perspective because you're playing. You're currently playing, and you're in the last two years of your eligibility. So I understand completely why you feel that way, bro. That shit, it's justified. I understand that they take. They're taking uh, the lead and trying to be cautionary and limiting the risk. I also understand the budget cuts and they're trying to limit travel. So I, I get that. But then I start looking at it like, it's going to be tough, man. It's, it's, it's going to be tough. Like, for instance, in each province, there's smaller schools. So like McEwen and Mount Royal are not on the same level of U of A and U of C. So, right, they have a chance in Canada West because they play other bottom teams. See what I'm saying? They play UBCO and all these other schools that are not as good or maybe not as big. So it, it kind of balances out. But when they're just going to play two powerhouses in their in their division, it's like they really don't have a chance. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. Like only 16 games, that that is terrible. 
that 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 sucks, man. Like it's different because ACAC, which is all of Alberta, but the colleges, they're not really got to change that much. They don't really have to change much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think they can still play their same amount of games and same preseason and all that stuff. But that sucks for, for Canada West. I wonder, do you think that they should count this year of eligibility if it is like that? That's what coach is telling me that they're thinking of not counting it. But so, see, then if they're not going to count it, then what's the point of having a season? Like, that's the only thing. Like, as much as I would love to, you know, have my eligibility kept and have an extra year where it's a, a regular, regular season again, I would love that. But at the same time, it's like, then why have a season at all if it's not going to count for anything? Yeah. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. It's interesting, though, man. Like, the fact that they've come out with a plan this early on how to attack it shows leadership. We may not like it, but at least they didn't kind of, like, wait. And obviously, I think that plan is subject to change. Like, if things clear up, maybe they're not as cautious. You know what I mean? Maybe they switch up the format, and maybe Alberta and BC can play each other. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. But um, it's, it's interesting, man. I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with the NCAA. Because yeah. I don't think they're going to be as cautious as Canadian post-secondary sports will be. I do not think they will be. Yeah. Well, the NCAA is more a more money-making machine than U sports will ever be, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's a perfect segue into talking about the NCAA. Like, what do you think they should be looking at? You know, like, what are you thinking as far as college basketball in the States this season? Well, people don't under, I mean, a lot of people don't realize college basketball don't start in November. So they got plenty of time to actually assess the outcome of, you know, COVID. And by then we could have testing measures and all that good stuff. Or maybe they, they cut the season in half and they don't start the college season until January and you're right in the league play and they cut out preseason tournaments and stuff. That would suck. But at least the back end, you can get the entire conference play and the tournament. Right. Yeah. So it would be it would be harder then because now the teams that are in bad divisions that they can't really strengthen. They can't strengthen their schedule. So when the NCAA selects for the tournament, it's like, well, you didn't get an opportunity to even play anybody outside your league. You just played in your league. And let's say you made it to your league championship and lost. You just lose. But you had games scheduled against, you know, outside conference opponents that was going to boost your resume. So right. then it makes it tougher to how you actually select for the tournament because you can't just take the champions at that point because it's like I don't maybe you could I don't know well it's going to be interesting but I definitely can tell you the NCAA is don't care about the student athlete at that point they're just they're going to try to make it run as smooth as possible yeah I agree with you there yeah I feel like there that's probably a good a good thought a good first thought as far as they're just going to eliminate exhibition games and just go straight into conference play because it's the same thing that's happening in Canada. They want to eliminate travel, right? So, or they're, they want to put on a front at least that they're, that they have the player safety as their top concern. So all the conferences are based on location. So they're going to possibly just have conference play, but then it's interesting to think whether or not they'll even have a tournament still, because there's been talks in new sports in Canada that, they might not have a national tournament because they wanted to have that in Quebec this year. And Quebec was the province most affected by uh, the virus. So is it beneficial or is it just as rewarding of a season if all you're competing for is a commerce championship and that's it? Or, you know, like, <laughs> obviously it's dope to win your conference, but I mean, you do like the end goal that every team starts with is we're going to get to the national tournament, whatever that is for you sports or for the NCAA. So I just, it's hard. It's tough to think about, but at the same time, like I would rather this than no basketball, but if we're not going to have a season at all, or if we are going to have a season, then it should count for something that there has to be, they have to work their way into making it the the best experience for athletes at any level, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that completely. I just know that. So it's it's different in Canada because we don't, you know, use sports basketball. They don't have a. There's no NBA here that they're looking at and saying, well, they they found a solution to their problem. But at the NCAA, they can look at it. It's like, okay, 
NBA is going to come back. And by the time college basketball is supposed to start, we'll know the format that football is in and what they're using as their different, you know, mode of having a season. So I think the NCAA has more time in terms of like college basketball. And it's a little harder out here because it's like we they got to make the, the decision they feel is best for us or for the players. But over there, it's, 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 bit, it's a bit different, right? There's other things you could look at and be like, okay, well, they did this. Maybe we can try this. You know what I'm saying? It, it'd be a lot easier to adapt a new model for the NCAA than it would like something like the league. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I agree 100%. So. Let's see. So you got any favorite teams that you're looking at or any guys for, for college basketball next season, both U Sport and NCAA? Uh, coming in to next year college basketball season, uh, mm, Cade Cunningham, he's from Texas. He's going to Oklahoma State. I like him a lot. Um, is he a program changer? I'm not sure yet. I think it's hard. To, I it's it's so hard to tell if these guys are program changers now because all we see is highlights. And I'm not I'm not big into the high school basketball no more because I realized, especially after I got out of high school, that a lot of these guys they get this attention because they're on a certain circuit or they grow up in a certain area. When they get to college, they, they fall off. So I'm like I'm not I'm not even interested in seeing that. But yeah. I'm more interested in seeing like the draft prospects going into this draft. Yeah. Twenty the twenty twenty NBA draft. I'm more curious in that than I am the freshman going into college next year. Um, and then for Canada, I'm curious to see. You know, my guy OPJ. I'm curious to see his fifth year. Yeah. I'm very I'm very curious to see. He showed something in the the ACAC playoffs. I think I think he showed everybody he was the best player in the league. People think I'm crazy for saying that. I'm like, if you watch each and every game, like it's it's clear, bro. Like he's, I think he's better than Sean Michael Clancy. I think he's better than Calvin Chambers. Maybe I'm being biased, but I'm just looking at his physical tools and his defined skill set. Like, bro, nobody in the tournament can guard him. Yeah, and he, it's like, and he was efficient. Like, Sean Michael Clancy's an animal. He's a beast. He's athletic. He can shoot. But he can't break you down off the dribble and draw double teams. Orin can do that. You see what I'm saying? So, like, I'm looking at a complete package of a player, and I think he's the most complete player. And I think if we do get the summer back and he's able to work, we can. he can be a beast. And then youth sports, I don't know. I haven't kept up with youth sports a ton. I just keep up with the people I know. But in general, I just think it's it's weak. I think it's I think it's overly political for the product that they produce. Like you guys are weeding out players that could potentially change programs based on, you know, relationships you have with people and people from the area. And I'm like, I've gone to ID camps and I've seen players that are clearly better than the players they have on their team or that could be more impactful, in my opinion. And then I see them kind of like already have a relationship with somebody from another school and they're kind of just looking at him and I'm like, or, or whatever the case may be. And I'm just looking at it. Like, it's not about putting together the best team. It's, it's political, but it's like, you don't have a good enough product to really be political. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just like at the U of L, like three or four players we know at the college right now can come here and be on that squad. No, you know what I'm saying? And I think I'm just being honest. I'm just yeah. being, I'm looking at the product there and I'm like, okay, I guess. But that's yeah. just my opinion. No, I, I agree. Really, uh, to touch on Oren, you know, I played with him. Certified bucket getter, bro. Certified bucket. He – and I think what separates him from other elite scorers is the fact that he doesn't need the ball to have an impact on the game. Mm-hmm. I feel like having him on your team, having him on the floor, you're already a better team, like, than what you are without him on the floor. He – I remember playing with him. We knew he was the best scorer by far on our team, but he is also a smart basketball player that knows that sometimes breaking a guy off the dribble and forcing up a shot is a bad shot. And he realizes that, but sometimes his team needs that from him. And so seeing his growth has been really special to where we're kind of having to push him to be, to take that next step, to be that guy, even though he already has it in him, but we, we want him to, you know, 
go get the ball, go get it and go get a bucket instead of thinking like you always have to make a smart play. Yes. And so that's the guy you want on your team, the guy that you have to tell to take more shots because you know he can do it instead of the guy you're you're telling, hey, man, move the ball a little more. No, exactly. Exactly. And like I said, bro, well, I'll touch on something that's a little off topic but relates to this. The culture right now is so much – it's highlights. Who scores the most? Who gets the most oohs and ahs? So I think coaches that don't really understand – coaches and people that watch basketball, they don't really understand and distinct what makes an effective and a good basketball player versus what makes an entertaining basketball player. Me, you know how I think. You play with me. I'm thinking of it, you know, I have a high IQ. So I'm I'm looking at everything. I'm looking at everything. And I just don't see anybody in the league better than him. I just, I just don't see that. Like his, just because he can go get thirty, that's not the best way his team can win, and he realizes that. I look at somebody like Clancy. Yeah, he had to shoot the ball, but bro, he had weapons on his squad. They had some weapons. They had weapons. So it's like, great. The numbers look great, but he's not really making no one around him better. Orrin made this team better. Granted, Chase and all those other guys were good, but he made them better, and that's what I appreciate from superstars. Exactly. Well, in our league, equivalent to a superstar. Yeah, 100%. I feel like, you know, Oren is in that that category of superstars that you want to play with. And, you know, mm-hmm. people always say there's there's guys that, you know, you always want to play with them just because you're going to win. But, I mean, is like you're right. Like, Oren can elevate a, a, a team around him while still going and getting 25 while there's other guys that are going in game 40 and the rest of their team is touching the ball single-digit times the whole game. Yeah. And that's a losing, like, equation. Like, you are you may win a couple games off that, but you're not going to be a, a championship team off of that. And, you know, that's why I feel like at Lethbridge College this year, y'all were so great, and I feel like y'all are going to have one more chance with Oren on his last ride. <laughs> Facts. So, if anybody – you know, we've been speaking about this guy – his name is Orrin Porter Jr., plays for Lethbridge College. That's who we're talking about. And then everybody else we're talking about, they play for different squads in the ACAC. So if you're not, you know, hip to that that information, you can look those guys up and you can see for yourself what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to just to kind of transition to a subtopic of what we've been talking about, going into the, the 2020 NBA draft, I want to ask you, who do you think – is that that top prospect in your opinion? Um, and who do you who are some of your the people that you're really looking forward to playing the league in the next few years? Uh, let's see. Top the top prospect, man. It has to be has to be Lamelo. Has to be Lamelo. Mm. I mean, he he has so much to offer already, and he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he can really do because he hasn't. You know, he's been pushed, but I don't think he's really been disciplined enough. Like, and I don't mean that in a negative way as in, like, he has no discipline. I just feel like you watch him play, it's still kind of evident that he's half-assing out there. He's only giving half effort because he he wants to look good and he was trying to get to the league. But now at the league, every time up and down the court, you got to be going your 100% or else you're going to get ran and eaten up a lot. So I feel like... Once we see that LaMelo come out, once we see LaMelo with NBA training, NBA weightlifting, NBA regimen, man, like he's already nasty. And he's he's just going to get better and better. And the, it's going to be tough because I really don't want to see him go to a team that is, is like, you know, he's going to end up on a, in a bad situation to start, but is he going to end up at the Knicks or Cleveland where it's so bad that he's going to have to go somewhere else before he can really shine? No development. Yeah, exactly. Um, besides him, I think Anthony Edwards, obviously. But <laughs> and, and I can't overlook James Wiseman. But James Wiseman, like those top three, like whoever goes in whatever order they go, it, it'll depend on who goes number one because the Warriors, we don't know if they're going to go for needs or best talents available. Yeah. Um, as far as dudes that I'm looking forward to playing in the league, I'm a big guy – like, I really don't like how the NBA kind of views players as far as age and skill level. I feel like it's clear that NBA teams would rather have 
uh, 6'8 guy who has a 40-inch vertical but has played basketball for two years and has no IQ. They would rather take that guy and develop him than a guy that can come in and contribute immediately. And I, I will never understand that. And it's also based on age. And that always frustrates me. So it frustrates me to see that in mock drafts, guys like Miles Powell and Marcus Howard and Cassius Winston are going undrafted. Like that's ridiculous to me. Like these guys are certified bucket getters, certified like all Americans, anything you can think of, like they're, they're doing it. And just because of, size or possible less time that the NBA can develop them because they're a little older. Like I, I, I want to see those guys end up on teams where they can come in and contribute immediately. Like they may never be superstars in the league, but those, those guys can go on any of the top 10 teams in the league right now and be a solid contributor off the bench. Yeah. I think those are the type of guys, those underrated guys that have to struggle to actually find a spot in the league. But when they find a spot in the league, they're on a team that is actually trying to win in position to win right so it's kind of like it's kind of like a gift and a curse going undrafted because when you do get seen and put in a position to show what you can do you're valued more opposed to like going early and it's just like everything's perspective like we may not need you to to contribute right away but we know you could possibly be something great right um the thing about Lamelo, which you said the discipline i agree 100 percent. i don't like some of the stuff he does however his film in Australia showed me that he has an ability to play defense. Was he locking people up? No, but he was, he wasn't cherry picking and he was way more active, like defensively, like way, way, way more active. Like he's got the tools to be a good defender because Lonzo's a good defender. He's got quick hands. Anybody with a high IQ can be a good defender. It's just a matter of locking in on being a good defender. So I think for him, my biggest not concerned, but what I want to see, and I want to see how it develops, is how well he starts to shoot the ball consistently and how he chooses his spots. Because he's never really been a mid-range shooter. He's He's got a ton of floaters. His floater package is, oh, my God, bananas. He's got the one-foot runner. He's got two – he's he's crafty. And he shoots some threes, but they're bad shots and they're inconsistent. So I'm very curious to see how his scoring – like how how he becomes a defined scorer because he can be a scorer and he is somewhat of a scorer but I'm curious to see like you know these are the shots Lamelo is gonna take every game like you look at somebody like Dame you know exactly what shots he's gonna take you you know right you know exactly what his his, his offensive repertoire is I'm curious to see how Lamelo develops and I think I think the draft is gonna be interesting depending on who gets what pick right? Um, I think that's going to change everything because all the prospects are so different and teams' needs are different. Like the Warriors, they say they're going to keep Wiggins. So they go first. I think they get Wiseman, right? And if they take Wiseman, he fits in perfectly. And even if he doesn't work out or not not necessarily work out, but they can move him and still get a ton of value because bro, his upside is crazy. Oh my goodness, bro. He was averaging like 19 and 10 and 5, something crazy. Like, And he's He's long, athletic, quick, can run the floor, shot blocker. So it's going to be interesting. If he goes to the Warriors, they're starting five. Is, yeah. I mean, even if he doesn't, they're starting five. It's still nasty. <laughs> no, yeah, but, like, he gives them a, a pick-and-roll guy who can catch at the rim, somebody who, who can actually run the floor, who's long and athletic. I don't know if he can switch that much on the perimeter, but, like, they haven't really had rim protection. You know what I'm saying? So, and then Draymond's such a good passer, and their shooters are so good that he's going to get bunnies around the rim. Yeah, he reminds me kind of uh, uh, Jordan Bell from a couple years ago. Yeah, but except he's seven feet. But, but, yeah, he's better, obviously. Better. But he'll be that that kind of role is what I'm saying. I, I think it'll be expanded just from the standpoint, like, he has more physical tools. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Fair. And then Anthony Edwards, man. I saw him play in person against ASU. He was he was chilling. He you could see flash, but he was chilling. When you watch his film, that guy's a problem. <laughs> he's a problem because he's six five, strong, athletic, bouncy off one foot, two feet, and he's he's got like he's got game. He's a true two guard. Yeah, he's he's a true two guard. He's shifty too. He's shifty. That's what I'm saying. So it's like I hope he doesn't go to Cleveland. I'm like, why would you Cleveland? If Cleveland drafts a guard, I'm gonna be upset unless they have a plan to get rid of the guards they got. But, like, you drafted Darius Garland when you had Colin Sexton. It's just like, 
They're not, are you, what are you drafting for? It's not needs. You need other pieces. I'm, oh, it makes me so mad. <laughs> it makes me so mad. Yeah. Well, who's guys that, that you're like looking forward to watching the league then? Like a few years from down. Anthony Edwards, uh, LaMelo, uh, Cole Anthony. I want to see him. I want, cause I, I want to see like the way he played at Carolina. I'm a Carolina fan. So I was, I wasn't disappointed, but it was like, I seen some stuff in this game that I was like, mm, he's got some growing to do. And it, it was, that's why he's not the number one player in the draft. Cause I think he kind of got ex- expo- exposed a little bit. Um, I'm curious to see there's two big men in this draft. So James Wiseman and then Oneku Okungu, a dude from USC who played at Chino Hills. I'm curious to see them because it's like the bigs coming out nowadays are typically, you know, they're trying to be scorers and handle the ball. But these guys are athletic defenders. And they right? know. <laughs> exactly. So, like, when you're a defender and you have that type of potential and you go to a team that, you know, that has other people, it's easier to build around that type of stuff, I think. I think when you get, like, a score and stuff, it's kind of hard to see and fit other pieces because you don't know how they'll adapt. But somebody with that skill set, I feel like it's easier to build around them. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah, bro, it's going to be interesting. I feel like the it's, – it's as a fan, it's tough for me to love the NBA continuing to push back the schedule because I love seeing summer league and seeing these dudes go at it in yeah. the little summer league squads. So that's just a little side note. Yeah, I, I think I think it's not necessarily they're trying to like cancel or get rid of it, but I think just the main focus is trying to resume play, try to finish the season. Like, and I think next season, I don't think it's going to change the structure of when the season starts. I just think they're going to cut half the next season out. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, they definitely wouldn't do that because then you start talking about TV rights deals and all this other stuff that has to be adjusted for for that, right? So I think, I think, yeah, yeah. So I got another question to kind of segue away from the NBA. What do you think about the whole, the new path of the G League so the top prospects are able to go to the G League instead of go to the NCAA, right? If you were a top prospect, obviously I think you would consider it, but I think there's value in college, me personally. That's just me though. Yeah. Right. I think there's value outside of basketball to go to college. But if you're a top prospect, maybe not. So what are your just opinions and thoughts on that? I just feel like, you know, when this when it, when Jalen Green first made his decision, uh, a lot of talk was, you know, this is the beginning of the end for the NCAA. But the reality is it's not. The NCAA has to make minor adjustments. And the thing is, 90% of the NCAA isn't, is made up of guys that wouldn't go in the G League to start. So I feel like, you know, the, especially the NCAA announced that they're going to let guys profit off their likeness in 2022. So that's hugely helpful to them to stay alive. But I feel like it's the right step because it, it, it's a step towards something bigger, towards something more kind of Europe-influenced of, like, having these academies where guys – you know, if, if you want to be a basketball player, you just sign up for the academy and, and that's all you do for the rest of your life, you know? And I feel like, I'm not saying that's maybe necessarily what we need to do because I feel like an education is important of some kind, but I feel like these guys, if they just want to be basketball players, all power to them, especially if they, if they can, if they have the ability, the athletic gift to, why not do it? Like, why not, why have to waste six months being at an NCAA school not making as much money as you could in the G League. I feel like it's it's a good, you know, a good step, but I feel like there still needs to be improvements made. I agree. I think I think the big thing about the new path is that it's for top prospects, right? So the guys that feel like they could probably be in the league right away, instead of going overseas or sitting a year to work out, now you can actually be a part of the NBA or prepping for the NBA under people that have been there, done that, under supervision. And I think that it's going to kind of cut down on the top prospects not playing college at all or going overseas. So I think it's big for keeping the top talent here, right? But then I look at the NCAA and it's like, you might not get the number one, the number, the top five recruits from now on, they may not be in the NCAA at all, right? Obviously, it's still... I don't think it's the end of the NCAA just from the standpoint, like, right, just how many top prospects are there, real top prospects, because there's guys that are top five that are not, that won't go top five in the draft. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, 
they're going to have to decide what that really means. But I, it's very it's interesting, right? I think somebody like Jalen Green, and yeah, obviously, if you're a person with that type of ability, you got the size and the skill to actually transfer quickly to the league, then yeah. But I'm looking at college like what it did for me, and I'm no top prospect, but like just the environment of college, especially away from home, and it's like you got to balance school with that, and you kind of have to figure out who you are within that, with, by, and still focus on basketball. Like, I think that's important. Yeah. I think yeah. you to develop things that you can't get by just going to the G League. But I also understand if you're just going to the G League, like, that is your path. Yeah. I just feel like, like to add on to that, I feel like it makes you mature. It, it, it makes you develop as a person in ways mm -hmm. that going from, like, I feel like a lot of guys, you know, top recruit or not, you get a, you know, if, if you make it to college, you were a top player on your high school team at some time. So it's a huge wake-up call to have to start over all again at the bottom and yeah. to have to grow through that, the, the mental and the, the physical aspects that you have to grow to survive and not only survive, but succeed and make it to the next level. I feel like that's something hugely important of the NCAA, but I don't think it's right to – you know, let guys be hungry out here. Like, I feel like the NCA and the NBA needs to work together a little more to where it's like, yeah, we understand that if like the top prospects from the NCA are going to go to the NBA, but there has to be more taking care of athletes. It, like to where maybe they don't have to make money off their, off their likeness, but you know, maybe they can get a sponsorship, you know, maybe they can get more, swipes at the cafeteria or something because that's the complaint is they're being laborers that aren't being pro properly paid to yeah. make money for the NCAA, but they're still struggling. That's the, the issue. So I feel like both the G League and the NCAA are on the right path, and I, I just feel like they need to coexist rather than compete against each other. Oh, yeah, but you're talking about two multi-billion dollar industries. They can't – they got – they have to somewhat compete. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Like – they'll never agree on the same stuff because they keep preaching this education. It's like me, for me, if I'm looking at those top prospects, the value isn't the education because you're leaving in a year anyway. The value is the networking. The value is building relationships. The value is actually becoming more sociable, right? You go to high school in one area. Some of these guys, top prospects, they leave for their senior years, junior years, and they're going to high school out of state, yeah. right? They don't even know how to talk to people you know, that don't look like them or that don't play basketball. So yeah. I think going to college, it kind of helps you with a lot of things outside of basketball, a lot of social stuff, just life issues, right? Yeah. That that are beneficial to you as a person and not just as who. So the NCAA can keep all that noise about, you know, caring about the education and education is not, but it's not, it's not even about that. And it isn't about the money too. Like the likeness is cool and all, but somebody who's like who's been there four years who doesn't get marketed but he's an all-american he's not gonna get paid for his likeness yeah 100 so but yeah that's just my thoughts on that to to close out the episode i feel like it's important to talk about what's happening in our home country right now of america um you know it's some tragedies that have just continue to be brought to light and just keep being exposed. And I just want to hear kind of your thoughts on the George Floyd situation and just the riots and what's kind of happening at home right now. I have to choose my words wisely because I understand that I want people to receive a message a certain way, you know, especially on this platform. I talk crazy on my other social medias, but that's, that's different. But this is something that I kind of want a certain message to be received. So for me, I think what happened to George Floyd, it's, it's obviously, it's, a tr it's tragic, bro. Like, it's crazy. But I also understand that it's just a reflection of a system that's been established the last 100 years, right? So the rioting and the protesting, to me, is a, is a combination of a reaction to what happened to George Floyd. It's a reaction to... Trump, you know, supporting people that were marching on the state capitol a week ago, but now that people are reacting to the George Floyd's death, he's basically not standing up for them. He's basically kind of like, well, fuck it, they're free game, right? They want to act up, shoot them. 
And then I also think it's a combination of people being fed up with everything with COVID, you know, the, the constant information being thrown at us. You don't know what's true, what's not true. Every state is different. Some states are opening up, other states aren't, you know, unemployment is down. So I think the reaction of these protests is a combination of a lot of worldly things that are happening. But to center and focus on one thing, I want people, especially black people, the African American community, right? Because that's what I'm a part of. I want them to understand exactly how they feel right now and use this energy to focus on educating yourself and start to understand how we as a community and a race have gotten to this situation. Because understanding that, it helps drive what your future behavior should be. The issue we're facing is not something that's gonna be fixed in 20, 30, 40 years. It's not something that could be fixed by one person in office. It's gonna take a collective group effort to teach our families and our and our children and children's children through generations about what is really going on and how we can actually start to make change. But we gotta come together first and all be on the same page. But until these, these officers are actually arrested for the crime they committed, I'm not saying I'm condoning the rioting because black businesses are being down and people are being hurt. Never want that. But shit, burn the country down until we get justice because other situations that are exactly the same, where these white officers use their power and kill, you know, unarmed civilian, black civilian, we protest and sometimes they still get off. You know, they might get fired or whatever, but they don't get put in jail. And that's not enough this time around. And I think everything else that's been happening is just stirring the fire. You know what I mean? It's just stirring the fire. So I just want, once these people get arrested, then we start talking about let's not riot no more. But until then, I'm with, I'm with all that, to be 100% honest with you. So yeah. that's just my opinion. And I'm not 100% right. I'm no prophet, but... I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, I'm half white, half Latino, so I, I haven't been discriminated against personally, but I've definitely seen my mom be discriminated against numerous times, especially being from Arizona. And, you know, something that's always helped me get through things like that or kind of see things a certain way as first of all, it's just been the game of basketball. I've been immersed in a whole culture, a whole, with a whole group of people that is from all different places. And I just feel like the team environment is something that just brings people together no matter what. And I just feel like it frustrates me. I, I always think about why, like, you know, we're all human beings on this earth. God put us all on this earth. Like I always turn back to faith. God put us all on this earth to make it, to coexist, to live e with each other, to love each other. And so I feel like right now more than ever, we need a, a team mentality. We, we're all in this together. We, as white men, as any kind of men of any kind of creed, race, religion, sexuality, we have been part of this system that white people are afraid of people that are different based on their color. They, we make wrong assumptions. We do racial profiling and it, it's not okay. And I just feel like, you know, it's tough to, to believe or to understand why, why God would have ever let it come to this. But I feel like, you know, settlers that came over, they claim to be acting through the will of God, but they were, you know, raping people, pillaging people. And so I feel like this right now, this is the work of God waking us up and waking the world up and telling us to come together. You know, the, the looting, the rioting, it's one thing to burn like businesses and corporations down but i feel like we we can't attack each other that's my like if there's any kind of message i feel like we can't continue to spread hate and divide ourselves because if we're gonna beat this and make a real change it has to be together and, and unified i agree i agree 100 percent. And, it, and it's tough because i'm on the mindset like they burn black businesses down and if you know anything about quote unquote the system you understand that actually making change having black businesses is like the first step. You know, that is the first step. Cause if you, let me get a little preachy for a second. 
Black people do not have no resources or own anything in America. The wealth gap is, is crazy, right? It's crazy. And then you start looking at spending power. On average, the black household spends more money than any other group of people in America, yet on average makes the least. That is a problem. That is an issue, right? So it's, I'm saying this is all part of a system. Like People being quote unquote racist is just a reflection of how they've been, of the environment, how we've been taught to think. Even, even non-black people and people we're taught to like, to prejudge and look at color, like race is meant to divide us. So yeah, it's racism, but it's also like, I'm looking at it from a standpoint that the fact that these people haven't been arrested, that to me, that isn't racism. That is a system, right? The, him killing the him killing George Floyd, yeah, that's racist. You know, he's profiling him, he's killing, he doesn't see him as a human because if that was a white person, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have did that. He wouldn't have did that. But I want people to realize that the lack of reaction by the powers that may be, that tells me everything. That's the that's the real issue here. The fact that people are not addressing that, the people in the power are not addressing this, that is my that is what I'm trying to say. Like it's a system. It is a system. So by them not addressing it or at least having the stance on one side or the other, they're condoning it. And that's my problem. That's when I say the system. That's what I mean. Yeah. So I'm 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 frustrated because one part of me is like. I'm not the most educated person, but I'm, a, bro, I'm so aware. I'm more aware now than I've been in the past few months. And even before this happened, I've been learning about things related to this topic. So my view is different and I'm trying to attack it from a, you know, an intelligent perspective. That's why I posted that post on Instagram that I posted all the resources that were helping me learn because I feel like I'm trying to give the information that I received that helped me think this way. It's not about it's about getting justice, but I'm more about trying to help real change. Hell yeah, I want justice, but I want real change too. And I understand that I'm just trying to spread the information that can help future generations hopefully get out of this. Yeah, it's 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 such a slippery slope right now, bro, because I'm torn. Like, I don't want people to riot and tear up black businesses. I get it. But I also understand there's so many powers at work here that I'm almost with the riot. You feel me? Like I'm almost with that. Cause like they're not listening to us. Yeah. They're not, yeah. right? Maybe if they arrest the officers, the rioting will stop. But they're not even, but they arrested one of them. Like, if you look at the other, there's a second video that's not really been seen. There's one, the dude who's actually kneeing him in the neck or the head. And then there's two officers on the other side of the car pinning his legs down. Yeah. How is that not part of the murder? Yeah. Like, that. yeah, I can go on and on, but I just want to, I don't want to expand too much because I want people to receive a certain message. But yeah, that's just my opinion on the whole topic. Yeah, 100%, bro. Yeah, bro. It's, you know, it's tough times we're facing it. But as you said, change is necessary. And if the riots help instigate this change, this positive change for the better, so that my kids, your kids, and their kids' kids can live a better life, you know, so be it. So Facts. Facts. Well, shit. That's a, we'll close it out. That's a wrap. I think we covered everything we wanted to cover. Um, it was definitely a good talk today, man. I think it's necessary to bring up those issues while still, you know, talking about what the podcast is about. And it's about basketball and, you know, spreading the knowledge and having an open conversation and dialogue about topics that are relevant. So I think today was a great show, bro. Um, we just got on Instagram. So that's our main main mode of media promotion right now. So follow us at the drive, well, Just Drive and Kick Podcast. Maybe we can put a, a, a link like in the description that yeah, helps people yeah, get to yeah. it a little quicker. For sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, bro. Finish this out. Yeah, good episode. Um, you know, as Mike said, we're a basketball podcast, but I, we felt like it was important to talk about what's currently happening in the world to show that, you know, we're, we are paying attention and we do want to be part of a positive change. We're not trying to just distract or be some kind of relief from what's really happening in the world because we're very aware and we, we want things to change too. So uh, that's it for episode one. Thank you for your support. Follow us on Instagram at Drive and Kick. Stay tuned. Yes, sir. We outie. Play me like Nintendo. No, my dog can keep extendos. Come knocking at your windows. Nah, stack up until it triples. Trip on point just like a pistol. I'm coming at your tent.
simple. Yeah. It won't be 